Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and it's my privilege each week to talk with you about practical issues we face as pastors, elders, directors, presidents, people who lead churches and ministry organizations. Now today's program, no matter what role you have, is going to be helpful to you because I'm going to talk about a very important issue in ministry leadership, and that is the issue of confidentiality. It doesn't take long as a ministry leader before you run into situations where confidentiality is required, and yet many people don't understand what confidentiality means, what are some limits or some directives related to confidentiality, and why it's so vital over a lifetime of ministry leadership to have this concept clearly understood and applied in your leadership role. So let's start with the first question. What does confidential mean? Well, confidential means to hold in confidence. Now, this is an important distinction because confidential does not mean secret. That may surprise you. This is one of the first and most important distinctions I want to make on the program today. Confidential means to hold in confidence. It does not mean to hold in secret. Now, there are some bits of information that come to us that are secret and must remain that way. But when someone comes to you and says, for example, I want to tell you something, but you can't tell anyone, you should immediately resist that and say, no, please stop. I can't make that promise to you. What they're asking you is to hold what they're going to say to you in secret. Now, they are thinking in their mind, most likely, they're asking you to hold it in confidence, but they're really not the same thing. When you hold information in confidence, it means that the other person is telling you something with the confidence that you will handle the information appropriately. When they're telling you something that's a secret, they're telling you something that you can never disclose to another person. Now, why is this distinction important? Well, first of all, it's important because you are legally compelled to share some information. If someone comes to you, for example, and says that they know of child abuse that's taking place, you have a legal, moral, and ethical responsibility to report that. You can't say, I'm keeping this confidential or I'm keeping this secret. So if someone walks into your office and says, I'm aware that my neighbor, my cousin, my father is sexually abusing a child, your next move is to turn to your telephone and punch 911 and report that and ask for police assistance immediately to intervene on behalf of this child. Now you say, well, what if they told you that information in confidence? Well, they told you in confidence, meaning that they had the confidence in you that you would handle the information appropriately. But if you committed up front to keeping that a secret, now you're going to have to break your word because what you've heard, you're mandated to report. Now, there's another kind of information that comes to you that you can't keep secret. Let's say someone comes to you and says, uh, I'm having an affair. And I need to confess that to you, and I want you to help me to, to, to work on getting out of the relationship and, and moving forward with my life. Well, you certainly can do that, but the person 
that the, that the person who comes to you is married to also has to be told what's happening. So, for example, when someone comes to me and says, you know, I'm, I'm having an affair and, and I'd like to confess that to you and get your help to resolve it. My response is, I'm glad that you're finally confessing this. I will help you to move forward and resolve it. And the first step is that we have to inform your spouse. Now, I usually say to the person, I'll give you the opportunity to do that in the next 24 hours. If you don't, then I will have to inform them myself. So we can do this one of three ways. You can go home and inform your spouse that you've been having an affair. We can go together and you can inform your spouse and I'll support you while you do that. Or three, uh, you can say that you're not going to tell the spouse and I'm going to have to reveal it to them. Now you say, but you're revealing confidential information. No, no. Confidential information is information that's shared with me with the confidence that I will do the right thing with it. And in this case, because the spouse's health is at stake, because uh, your own credibility is at risk, these are some reasons why you have to make sure that the person who comes to you and confesses an affair goes forward and tells the other person about what's been happening. Now, let me make this distinction again. Confidential does not mean secret. Now, there is some information that's secret that you can't tell anyone and you have no obligation, no requirement, and really nothing to be gained by telling anyone. And so a lot of the information that people come to you and give you that they think of as confidential, you need to think of as secret. But when someone comes to you with information that is confidential, it doesn't mean it automatically is secret. It means that you have to have the judgment, the discernment, and the wisdom to know when that information has to be shared and with whom. So confidence and secret are not the same thing. Some confidential information, as people usually define it, is secret information that never needs to be told to anyone. But some other kinds of information that people think of as confidential, you're legally, morally, and ethically required to share. So when someone walks into your office and says, I need to tell you something, but you have to promise me first that you'll never tell anyone, stop them and say, no, please stop. I can't make that promise. Now, I can promise you that I'll hold your information in confidence, meaning that I will only share it with people who are that I'm legally, morally, or ethically obligated to do, to do so. Now, if you can't trust me at that level, then you probably don't need to tell this information to me. Now that we've distinguished between confidential and secret, let me also reinforce some things about some secret information. Secret means you tell no one. Now, I know the old joke, a secret is something you tell one person at a time, but that's not really secret information. Secret means you tell no one, not your spouse, not your prayer partners, not even your diary. Now, I've had bad experiences with all three of these things. When someone tells me something that is secret, that means I don't tell anyone, not even my wife. It's been awkward a few times because people will then talk to my wife about something that they've told me in secret. She's completely baffled. They have some assumption for some reason that I'm going to tell my wife secret information. Now, I know some people say, oh, my wife and I talk about everything. That's foolish. 
That's foolish. I'm a ministry leader. People entrust information to me that's secret. They tell me things about themselves that no one else knows, and they don't want anyone else to know, and they've unburdened themselves to me, and it's my responsibility to keep that information secret. I have no moral, no ethical, and no legal responsibility to report that information to anyone, and so it dies with me. As I've sometimes said, I'm a black hole of secret information. When something comes into my awareness that's secret, it stays a secret. Not to your prayer partners. One of the most disillusioning experiences a friend of mine recently had. He wrote the pastor of a large church where he was a member and asked for an appointment. And in the email, he said, here's some information about why I want to speak to you. And he received a reply back from the pastor's assistant. Now, that didn't particularly alarm him because many executives, including me, have assistants that we trust with a great deal of information. So he wasn't alarmed that he had an email back from the assistant, but he was alarmed by what the email said. The email said, thank you for asking for an appointment with the pastor. He's traveling extensively this summer and will not be able to schedule personal appointments like this. But I have forwarded your email onto our church's prayer team to give you the support you need during this time of struggle. My friend was livid, as well he should have been. He wrote a confidential email with secret information that he sent to a pastor, trusting the pastor would have the good sense to know how to reprocess and use the information. In this case, the pastor's assistant gained access to it and sent it out to dozens of people on the church's prayer team. Listen, that was a complete violation of confidence and secrecy. And then secret means you tell no one, not even your diary. It's amazing how written down words come back to haunt us, don't they? Whether you're keeping a journal or a diary or a calendar or an email collection, it doesn't matter. If you're writing these things down, they're accessible to someone. Secret means tell no one. Well, now that we've distinguished between confidential and secret information, what are two challenges of keeping confidential information and sometimes secret information? Well, part of being a ministry leader is understanding these challenges and taking them on as a part of our work. The first challenge is this. You will be misunderstood and people will draw wrong conclusions I have at least two examples of this that are now more than 30 years old that I feel like I can share with you. These situations are so old that no one involved would be able to figure out anyone that's connected. When I was a pastor, a young woman came to me and asked if I would do her wedding. She wanted me to to introduce me to her fiance and wanted me to perform their ceremony pretty simple question, actually. Now, one thing that was a little bit unusual was they were actually members of a church of another denomination, but she had some reasons why she wanted to come to our church and why she wanted me to be involved, and so I I agreed to meet with her. During my uh, premarital counseling, I discovered that this young woman was already being physically abused by her fiancé. And I said to her, uh, I'm not going to be able to do your wedding. Well, she
she thanked me. I told her that I would work with her and her fiancé, that we would spend a months resolving these issues, and that if there came a point in time in the future when this behavior stopped, when it had been stopped for a prolonged period of time, and when we both felt like that it was a permanent change, that we might then reconsider the possibility of her wedding. Well, she thanked me again and agreed that that was a process we needed to work on. Then she went home and told her family and the community and many people that were part of our church that I would not do her wedding because, quote, I didn't like her fiancé. She was unwilling to disclose that she was already being abused, and I had no moral or legal or ethical responsibility to disclose that either. And so I had to bear up under the personal criticism that came to me from church members, from community members, and from her family because I wouldn't do her wedding because supposedly I didn't like her fiancé. I did try to continue working with both of them, but it was unsuccessful. That was a difficult and painful time when I learned the importance of maintaining confidential, in this case, secret information, and the price you sometimes have to pay for doing so. I had another situation years ago where I had a man in my church who had a gambling addiction. He was also a fairly successful businessman, and so people were always asking me to put him on the church's finance or budget committee and get him more involved in the church's financial oversight, because obviously, looking at his lifestyle, he had some financial acumen. But every year when that came up, I had to resist it and listen to the criticism. Well, why don't you want him involved in the church's finances? Are you intimidated by him? Are you threatened he might make decisions differently than you think best? Uh, do you not uh, want another outside voice giving input to some decisions that you feel strongly about? All of these reasons why people criticize me, but I knew the real reason. This man had confessed to me that he was a gambling addict and that he uh, gambled large sums of money and that while he won more than he lost, I knew that this created great risk for him and also great risk for our church if he ever had access to our finances. And so again, I made a decision based on information that I had, secret information that I couldn't share with anyone, and I took the, took the brunt of the blowback for making that decision. So when you hold on to confidential information and even secret information, you will be misunderstood, and people will draw wrong conclusions, and you will have to live with the difficulty, the criticism, the blowback, if you will, of what happens on those instances. A second challenge of confidentiality is you will be lied about by people who go out and spread misinformation when you know the truth. Now, I've had this most often in personnel issues over the years. You know, disgruntled employees who are terminated from an organization can go out and say whatever they choose, and you have little recourse. It is very difficult to win a legal battle with someone who goes out and spreads false information about the reason for their termination or about your organization. But as the leader, you know the real story. You have the personnel review forms. You have the instances of employee complaint or customer complaint. You know the dysfunction that the person brought to the organization. You may know about personal behaviors, alcohol use, drug abuse, other things that resulted in their termination. 
And yet you're not able to say anything about that because uh, human resources law in our country really protects the employee in these kind of situations. So while I'm prohibited from sharing any information about the true reasons for a termination, a former employee can go out and say anything they want with very little recourse on my part. I've had some really egregious examples of this. I had a person who come, who uh, was discovered to be in an adulterous relationship one time. I brought him in and I said, you've been accused of being involved in this adulterous relationship. Is it true? And he said, no, it's not. And then I shared my documentation with him and he finally admitted that it was true. Of course, I terminated him on the spot and uh, he went home that day and told his wife that he had, quote, confessed immorality to me and asked for my help. And instead, I fired him. Well, that is not exactly what happened. But his wife sent that message out by email to hundreds of people the following day. And I had people calling me and asking why, when someone came forward so willingly and looked for my help, did I turn such a calloused heart toward them? Well, <laughs> that's because that's not what happened. They didn't come forward. I caught them red-handed, fired them on the spot. And then they made up a story, which made me look like the bad guy in the situation. That's just one example that I could give of employees who've left with one story that wasn't exactly the true story and the price I've had to pay as a result. So confidential information means people share things with you that you hold in confidence, meaning they trust you with that information. And sometimes confidential information really is secret information that you can't share with anyone. And when you hold on to this kind of information, there'll be some real challenges like being misunderstood and have people draw wrong conclusions or even lie about you. And you'll have to face the difficulty that comes with all of those choices. Now, there's a very positive side, though, of confidentiality and secrecy that I want to talk about now for a moment as we close out the show. First, holding confidential information gives you a deeper bond with people. You know, I had an older man in my church that I really looked up to and respected. He was always so poised and uh, always had the right answer and always was a model of decorum. And then his brother died. And I discovered that his brother uh, had had a pretty roguish, wild lifestyle. And my Christian friend had reached out to his brother many times and done everything he could to try to preserve that relationship over the years, but to no avail. When his brother died, I went to his home and was visiting with him and his wife and was going like I would have expected. He was talking with me and sharing very in a very composed way what he had gone through and how he had lived with his brother and how it had disrupted his family and how difficult this had been over the years. And then I asked another question about that relationship. I don't even remember the exact question, but I was probing a bit, as pastors do. And when I did, my friend turned to his side, dove out onto his couch in a prone position and started sobbing uncontrollably. And as his pastor, I just sat there quietly and let that take place for a moment. His wife just reached out and patted him on the shoulder for a few minutes as he sobbed deeply in those moments, the grievous loss that he was feeling and all that was going on in that moment. Finally, he sat up and composed himself a bit and apologized for his outburst, and I assured him that there was no apology needed. But as a pastor, I really wanted to help him with the depth of pain that he was feeling in the moment, and then we talked about that. 
You know, that day, he and I developed a deeper bond than we'd ever had before because we saw each other on an emotional level that we'd never experienced. Now, I've never told this story in any way that would reveal who I'm talking about. Wouldn't ever violate that confidence now, even all these years later. That's a secret we share. But that deep emotional outburst produced a bonding that it lasted for decades. As I knew that this man on a different way than I'd ever known him before, and this man recognized he had trusted me as a pastor on a deeper level than he'd ever trusted anyone before. Confidential and secret information causes us to have a deeper bond with people. Second, it also gives us the opportunity to earn the respect and support of our followers. When people see us bearing up under the pressure of holding on to confidential information, their respect for us soars. They know that we know more than we're sharing, and they know that we're bearing up under the difficulty of that by not revealing what we know. And it causes people to respect us more and actually to think to themselves, you know, if I ever have a situation where I need to talk to someone that I know I can really trust, I'm going to go to that guy. My pastor, my boss, my supervisor, my deacon, my elder, I'm going to go to that person because they can be trusted. I respect them because of how I've seen them hold on to this kind of information. Another power of confidential and secret information is you can use it to make informed decisions about ministry that you provide. You can use the information to make better ministry decisions. Now, I don't mean that you stand up in a pulpit and say, 10 different people have told me about this problem, and so I'm going to preach a message on it. You don't have to do that. But when you hear common themes in your confidential and secret sharing of information with people, doesn't that tell you that you need to preach some messages on those themes or maybe organize a conference on those themes or create a program to meet those themes? You see, when people give you information and you're able to assimilate it and put it together and collate it, it helps you to make better ministry decisions because you know what people need and you're able to provide it in your preaching, teaching, and program and conference decision-making. Another power of confidential or secret information is that you gain access and influence with people. For many years, I was the chaplain for a professional sports team for about 10 years. And in that context, those guys told me all kinds of things, all kinds of secret information that they didn't want anyone else to know. They live in a media fishbowl, and so to have someone they could come to and unburden about their lives, their kids, their careers, their injuries, and know that no one else was ever going to know that information but me gave me great influence with those people. And I still have influence today with some of those players who will call me from time to time and say, hey, listen, I really need to talk to somebody, and I thought I'd give you a call. Why do they call me? Because they know they can trust me because I've never revealed any of that information in any context. And then finally, another value of confidential and secret information is because of what it does in your life and how you have to hold on to it and how people will criticize you for it, you will be slower to criticize other leaders because you'll always ask yourself this question, what do they know that I don't know? You know, I often ask this question when I see people making leadership decisions in other organizations I, that, that puzzle or baffle me. I'll take a giant step back and say, hmm, I wonder what they know that I don't know. And it gives me a little bit more patience and makes me a little bit less critical when I recognize that they probably have confidential or secret information to which I'm not privy. Well, confidentiality, it's important. It's not the same as secrecy, but both kinds of information are vital in ministry relationships. 
Learn to hold things in confidence, meaning that you make the right use of every bit of information that you receive. And even more importantly, learn to hold many things in secret so that people have total confidence and trust in you with the information they share. Do this well. It'll make you a better leader as you lead on.